Welcome to Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson, the podcast where we head down the road of the supernatural and beyond. So sit back and hold on as we take a ride together to what lies in the unknown and beyond the veil. Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson presents guest host, death doula, Casey Giconio. Casey owns and operates an end-of-life consulting company. As a registered nurse who's worked in the end-of-life realm for over 12 years, she has a vast knowledge of all things end-of-life. Casey chose to further her career by also becoming a death doula and a death educator. A death doula helps a person safely and comfortably labor out of this world, similar to a birthing doula but on the opposite end of life. Casey provides one-to-one death doula services as well as death education and professional speaking services. Casey is also known as a leader in her field and empowers others working in the death care field. And now your host, Daniel Jackson, with How to Live Your Most Meaningful Life by Making Peace with Your Death. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson. Me, Daniel Jackson. I am your host. Today we have uh, Casey Giconio. I got yes. it right. Whoa. You hey, did. you crap. got it right. Yeah. Casey is a doula. This is a, this ought to be a cool show. I've never spoken to a doula. Um, I understand a little bit about it. My wife uh, is a retired RN. Uh, so, but we've never had any, uh, anyone that I know of has said they are a doula, nor have I ever come in contact with one. Uh, I've only heard about it. My wife thought about doing that as a profession, but she decided to retire instead. So, uh, but uh, I'm very interested in this subject, very interested what it is you do. Uh, I also know that you're an RN. So I'm assuming that you, uh, you started out as an RN and then, uh, and, uh, and then went from there to becoming a dual. Is this correct? Yeah, yeah. Let me, I'll give you a little rundown. So I am a registered nurse and I've worked with people at the end of life for over 12 years. So I've worked in long-term care, skilled care, acute care, memory care, all of the cares, pretty much people that are at the end of life, whether that be because they're aging out of life or because they've received a terminal diagnosis and they can no longer be safely taken care of at home. Sure. So I just have a lot of experience with end of life as far as my um, my healthcare abilities go. <clears throat> I worked the front lines of COVID um, and I was actually an infection preventionist at the time. Um, so that was just wild. There were so many people that died in such a short amount of time and yeah. their deaths were not pretty deaths. They right. didn't get to say goodbye to their family. They didn't right. get to have, you know, people there with them. Um, so I did during that time, every single thing that I could to just try to make their deaths a little more beautiful, even if it was just being there with them so that they weren't alone. But it was during this time that I realized, like, first of all, I'm really good at this. And second of all, um, I want to make this something else. You know what I mean? I want to take this, like helping people while they're dying and turn it into something more than what I'm doing now. I had already kind of wanted to pull out of the world of traditional nursing um, for all of the reasons that most nurses want to, you know, there's burnout, there's overwhelm, you have too many clients or patients. Um, And for me, that was really hard because I want to give all of my patients a hundred percent 
the best possible care. And when you are completely overwhelmed with patients, that's just absolutely impossible. So I really started to struggle with that and wanted to kind of turn this into something of my own. So I actually, um, I found death doula training. So there's, there's two different kinds of doulas. Um, there's birthing doulas and there's death doulas. So a birthing doula works with uh, a mother, well, and her family to help somebody safely labor into this world. A death doula does the same thing just on the opposite end of life. So I work with a person to help them safely labor out of this world. Something that people don't realize is that death is a labor out of this world. Yeah. It's not something that just happens. You don't just die like this or in your sleep most of the time. There are, you know, obviously some instances where it does happen that way, but for most people, it is a true labor out of this world. And depending on how your end of life journey takes you, uh, it could be a slow labor out over a span of years, if not yeah. months, weeks, you know, a really long time. So what a death doula does is they're kind of a pillar of support, not only for the person who's dying, but for everyone who's involved. So usually when somebody's dying, there's family members involved, whether it's a spouse or, you know, children, sisters, parents, whoever, there's usually other people involved. And um, if you've ever gone through the death of a loved one, it's just a lot. It's a lot to handle and it's a lot to go through and it's a lot for everybody. And people have a hard time leaning on each other because talking about the subject makes everybody cry. So people will, instead of talking about it, just internalize all of these things because they don't want to hurt anyone else's feelings or anyone else upset. So this is kind of uh, a little bit of a way that a death doula can really help. I mean, I help people plan for every single part of their end of their life so that it goes very smooth instead of there being these chaotic, oh my gosh, what do we do instances? Um, but you know, in, in my eyes, when we really truly plan for a death and you have the support of a death doula, a death can be really, truly beautiful. That was a mouthful. Holy crap. <laughs> but it was precise, man. That was good. That was really good. Yeah. So you've been doing this for 12 years now. Uh, and I understand stood some of the things you were saying, because some, some people, are trying to hold on. Some people do just linger depending upon um, the uh, stability of their life as well. I know they have, uh, when people do have debilitating diseases, these things can go on and on and on for a long time. Um, I always tell people uh, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when everyone is going to pass away. Uh, the only two that I have, uh, or three, I'm sorry, the three that I've had that, uh, that passed away that significant was my mom and dad and my wife's mother and all three of them here gone. <clears throat> my dad had uh, passed away because he fell down and it moved his brain stem. So when they took him to the hospital, it was just a matter of my mom pulling the plug. Yes. And then with my mom, um, I wasn't there, but I, I was with her the day before, but uh, she was with my sister and within an hour she was, one moment she was looking up, talking to people, and by an hour later she was gone. And then wow. the same thing with my. Uh... That's so interesting, all three of them, because that's really a beautiful and peaceful and easy way to go. You know what I mean? That they weren't kind of lingering on or suffering for a period <clears throat> of days. No. Well, my wife's mom, she was suffering for a while. She had stage four cancer. Uh, but with me being a medium, um, she said it in this way. She said, 
uh, Daniel, can you ask your people when I'm getting out of here? Um, but for me, I'm able to actually plan that out. And uh, so I talked, I talked to my wife and I said, she said, just get her an answer. I said, all right. I went in a room, came back out and I said, Dolores, you have two weeks. I want you to write everything down make sure you have everything correct. Two weeks to the day she was gone. So, wow, what yeah. a cool story. Well, <laughs> yeah, you don't want that person to go, but you wanted that. I wanted, she just wanted an answer and it was just time for her to go. She had, now, now the other side of that story is uh, uh, me being me again. Uh, we were having trouble with the will and we, I had to get some questions answered. So I asked her because it was a money thing. I asked her to come through and, and talk to her, talk to me about the will. And she, you know what her answer was? What? I don't care. Wow. Because where they are, there is no money. There, right. It's all about being positive. It's not about uh, the negative stuff that's here in this world. So no big deal, though. But um, so uh, you give the education. You give the education. I would have to. I mean, I know the person is not always cognitive of their own death all the time. Um, right. especially if someone is uh, in a coma state or, or is just completely out of it. And, and you know, when you're, you're coming to your death like that, sure. I mean, things are going to start to misfunction. Uh, yep. So what kind of education do you do uh, for the family? How, how do you prepare? Like you said, they're, they're sad. You know, this is a, this is a try a very trying thing. We mm -hmm. don't like to lose uh, people in this world, but everyone does die. So yep. I think if we started a little bit with, with some education early on in our lives, we wouldn't be so surprised that when people do die. So I love that you said that because that's something that I'm really passionate about. Like you mentioned earlier, there's not any single one of us on this planet who's not going to die, right? So right. like, no matter what color you are, what country you are, what gender you are, none of that matters. We are all going to die someday. But yeah. for whatever reason, you know, all throughout the world, it's one of those things that so many people just don't want to talk about. And for me, if we just talk about it and learn about it and educate about it, things right. can go so much smoother. Sure. So I'd like to give you a, for instance, of how education can really help in an end of life situation. So there's a thing called terminal lucidity. And this happens when somebody's been kind of dying for a period of days, slowly declining. They haven't been talking a lot or moving a lot or eating a lot or really much of anything at all. And then all of a sudden, one day there will be this burst where that person's up and they're awake and they've got so much to say and they're moving around and, and the family's always like, oh my gosh, like this is great. She's all better now. But really what this is, is what I like to call one last hurrah. So it's the person kind of, you know, giving you one last hurrah, but they usually die a day or so after that, you know, very quickly. So this is a type of thing where if you can prepare a family for this and explain, here's what this is, here's what might happen, instead of them having that roller coaster of confusion where they think hospice is wrong, my person's not dying, look how wonderful they are today, and then that crash and burn tomorrow when it's a very much different different person, but also 
how important is that last moment in somebody's life, right? right? That last hurrah. There are so many important things that they could say to you or that you could say to them. Some really relevant conversations where if you understand that this is the last time that you might be able to speak to that person, it can truly be this great, wonderful, beautiful experience that everybody sits down and enjoys together. As opposed to if you don't know about it and you don't know it's coming and you don't know what it is, you know, people tend to overlook it and not realize I had this precious time that I could have spent with them, you know, while they were kind of cognitive in here and, and I lost it. So that's kind of one of the ways I like to educate people. But a lot of the time, too. A lot of the clients that I work with are dying uh, from cancer. And I just I have a really large knowledge of the varying cancer diagnoses and how things tend to go in the end. Um, So I'm really able to prepare people and their families for what that might look like. You know, here's what we could see. And if we do see that, how do you want us to approach it? Because a lot of times in people's end of life, you get to a point where you're not really speaking for yourself anymore. So I always like to make sure that before we get there, we've had all of these conversations and approached all of these. What if there's no chaos and there's no stress, you know, the situation is so hard for everybody. And I always like to think of the loved ones, right? They're watching their person die. And if they can do that um, without having all of this additional stress and chaos and weight on their shoulders of like, what's happening? Oh my gosh, what do we do? Should we call somebody? You know, all of that is, is able to be completely relieved just by me being there, just by me being a person for them. So again, people are really truly able to spend these intimate moments at the end of life. And it, it ends up being just a much more beautiful experience than it could be without someone like me, you know, where there's all this stress and all this chaos. Something else that people don't really realize is how much help hospice provides. Hospice is wonderful. And I always advocate for them at the end of life. Um, But, you know, they only come in one or two hours a week uh, to provide you with education and stuff. They're Mm -hmm. not there taking care of your person. And I think that's just a really big misconception that so many people have. Like, we'll just get them on hospice. It'll be fine. Definitely. That will be great putting them on hospice, but hospice is going to teach you how to take care of your person. You know, they're not going to be here 24 seven. Something else people don't realize is how, how um, often hospice is not there when the person actually dies. So that's something that people really are just like, oh my gosh, like they're not going to be here when they die. Well, no, nobody aside from you (laughs) knows when they're going to die. You know, it's impossible for, for a hospice nurse to schedule that into her day. You know, I mean, if she's taking care of another person and your person dies, obviously she can't, she, he can't be in two places at the same time. Right. So just these things that people really don't know that I like to prepare them for so they can figure it out. Do you want more support than that? If so, great. I can be another support person. And also I can help people arrange all kinds of stuff. So like I can help people arrange for house cleaners. You've started to decline. You're not able to clean your house anymore. That's overwhelming. Let's just get a house cleaner in here. So we don't have to deal with that. anymore. I have people who help with pets. You know, you're declining. You can't take your dog out every, you know, so many hours anymore. We've got people that can come in and help with that. And then also caregivers, Um, people who are passionate about dying at home. I love this and I advocate for this because I like for it to be more of a human experience than a medical experience. Um, But, you know, you have to decide 
who you want to be taking care of you, right? Like, do you want your loved ones to be giving you a shower and right. changing you, um, you know, if, if you're incontinent and all of these things, or would you and everybody else be more comfortable if you had some caregivers involved? So if so, you know, that's, that's the type of thing I can help arrange. So I really just try to make it a smooth transition, make people think about things ahead of time so that everything just kind of rolls and goes smooth. And there's very minimal. Yeah. I keep telling my wife all the time when it is the time that I'm going to be going or, or failing at that time. I wouldn't mind it at all. If there was a beautiful nurse like yourself giving me <laughs> sponge baths, I, I'm I'm perfectly okay with that. But my question for you is when when this is going to take place, especially for a family or if it is a long drawn out thing, uh, how do you how do you come in and introduce yourself to someone or does some, is someone already going to do that for you and tell them, hey, I have a uh, someone who is a death doula. She's she's going to come in, you know, or do you just walk into a room and uh, do I? I say, hi, I'm Casey Coconio. I mean, and I'm a death doula. I mean, it's got to be a little bit of a uh, a shock to people knowing that someone's going to walk in the room and say that to them when they themselves are thinking maybe they'll snap out of this or or because everyone wants to be uh, have some hope, hope in this world that hopefully maybe this person will get they're going to make it. So people are usually referred to me by somebody. So whether that be by their oncologist, by a cancer support group, by um, I've had therapists and social workers. Um, there's all of these people that kind of refer people to me. So thankfully, right. I don't usually have to come into the conversation without them knowing that they already need me. Right. Uh, like, I, like I mentioned, I've worked with people who are aging out of life. Absolutely. But a lot of my people have received a terminal diagnosis and a timeline. You know, like, here's what you've got. You've got a year or eight months or seven months. So these people are really realistic about what's going to happen because they've already gotten this, you know, a doctor's already done that hard part for them as right. opposed to, me. you know what I mean? They already know that hospice is in their near future. They're just not ready for it yet. This is kind of where I like to come in as soon as you've gotten a diagnosis. So you're not super sick. You just got your diagnosis last week. You've sure. been given seven or eight months. So surely you will decline and get sicker and sicker, but right now you're kind of okay. That's where I really like to get in there is right away so that we can make sure that all of these plans are in place before we're really sick or in crisis mode. Um, and also uh, to help people get onto hospice when they need. Um, there's just such a lack of education about every, everything end of life related, even hospice, that a lot of times people don't realize when you can bring hospice on and what even hospice can do. You know, of course they provide the medications to keep you calm, but they can provide a whole array of equipment to keep you safe and to keep you comfortable and to keep wounds at bay. Um, there's just so many things they can do that people don't realize. And a lot of times people will bring them in, in the last week or so of life, but you could have brought them in a lot sooner and they could have been helping all along the way. Sure. So I kind of like to get in and just really educate people. Like, here's what we're looking for. Here's what's going to come, you know, likely in the future. And as soon as we check a certain amount of boxes where we are now hospice appropriate, like I jump on it right away. I help people interview the various hospice companies um, because they're different. Each one sure. offers something different. And I am a vibe person. I believe in vibes. So I believe that if you sit down and interview three hospice companies, you're going to get really good vibes from one of them where it's going to be like, you know what, that's the one that feels right. Right. 
Um, and that's what I want people to do. You know, I don't want him to just jump on the first hospice that they're. Oh, I'm here. So Sorry. Do you take the same approach with adults that you do with families who have children are passing away? So I'll be honest with you. I've personally not ever worked with children. Um, okay. It's not something that I seek out to do because I know that that's going to take a lot out of my heart or soul or whatever you want to sure. call it. Losing a child. I have children myself, so it would just be really hard for me. Um, but if the situation arose or it was a friend of a friend or somebody who had reached out and said like, Hey, this is what's happening. Can you help? I would absolutely do it. Right. Um, but for the most part, I do market myself more so toward towards adults because I do know it would be harder to recover from, from that. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Because I know the, again, you being a nurse, you understanding the, the physicality of the body, the, the medications that they're on, the symptoms they have or the the diseases they have. This is where the tough part comes in. This is where you know that this person isn't going to make it. Right. But the family is holding on for every little last string. I I, I watch these commercials that come on TV and, and the, these poor uh, children's hospitals, these cancer children's hospitals, and you can just see it in the eyes of these people. They're going, oh, my kid's going to make it. And you can just know that this kid's not going to make it. And and why are they doing this to this poor child? Usually out of selfishness, because the but they, they want the child to live. But you're putting your child through some horrific things just because you want this kid to, to be here another month or two. And that's, I don't always see the uh, the purpose in that all the time. But uh, yeah. But the, Oh, go ahead. I, to I totally agree with that. Something else I was going to mention that is like kind of in relation to that is the grief that the parents experience. Um, and this is something that somebody who's lost a child taught me. So I love that she taught me this, but she herself, you know, when, a, when an adult is on hospice, the goal is that the person is going to die and they know that. But when right. a child is on hospice, they never give up. They just, no. they keep, they keep trying, they keep trying. Right. And that's great and wonderful. And I understand why, but that doesn't at all prepare the parents. Exactly. Like you're saying that makes the parents feel like there's just a little more hope. There's just a little more hope. There's just, and then when their child dies, it's like, they just weren't ready. They didn't know. They thought no. they had all this hope and they thought it was going to happen. Um, so this, this mom that I had talked to, she was like, you know, against kind of what everybody else told us, my husband and I really sat with it and came to terms with the fact that we knew that our son was terminal and that he was going to pass away sometime soon. And she said, you know, of course it completely tore us apart and rocked our world when he died. But you know, we were really able to come through that grief much better than a lot of other sure. parents are. And I feel like this is exactly why, like you say, they don't necessarily prepare those parents for the fact that like, at some point, you know, this is what is going to happen. You know, yeah. even though we're trying hard, this is still what's going to happen. You know, I feel like yeah. that's really left out. And because it's sad, and it's scary, and it's hard, and you don't want to tell a parent that, but I always like to say, choose your hard what's harder, you know, telling them that and preparing them for that and hurting their feelings or having them being completely blindsided and not ready and right. then just be over stricken with grief for, you know, a long time. I mean, sometimes parents have a real hard time bouncing back from something like that. that. No one wants to bury their own children. No, gosh, I, yeah, I could not imagine myself either, but I do think there is a little bit of a need there for, 
you know, deputies and more support staff like that for parents to really help kind of guide them into a better. Just crazy. So yeah. you, but you do, you do just pe just people who are are, are grown ups more or less. I mean, yes, just, I uh, do. And you had asked me if there were other death doulas in the world, so I would like to touch down on that because yes. <laughs> because death doulas are growing rapidly. There yeah. are it's the type of thing where like a couple of years ago, some people started rolling with it, and everyone there's a lot of people jumping in, and it's great because the more of us there are, the better. Um, but it's also very hard because as a death doula, you can't get hired somewhere, right? You can't go on monster and go apply to be a death doula for anybody. Right. You've got to do it on your own. You've got to open your own company and you've got to be an entrepreneur and a death doula. And it's difficult because in, you know, being an entrepreneur, you don't really have people to reach out to, right? You know, if I was a realtor and owned my own realtor company, there's a million realtors that I can reach out to for help or assistance or ask questions. But as a death doula, not only are there not a bunch of other death doulas you can reach out to, but there's also not really people that work in the realm of death and dying at all. So a lot of times you reach out to people for like, hey, what do you know? What do you think about this? And everybody's just kind of like, ugh. Cause you're talking about death, you know, yeah. instead, instead of, you know, massage therapy or, or all of these other things that other people do. Um, so I actually started a collective called the death doula collective. And we are a group of death doulas that are highly motivated. Um, we empower support and guide each other in our own death doula practices. So, I mean, we really lean on each other in all of these different ways to help each other grow our own practices. Um, you know, we're in a, competitive world where people see other people as competition. Um, but us death doulas in the collective, the way that we see it is the more successful death doulas there are, the more successful we will be in return. And so we want to lift all death doulas up and guide them and support them. And here's how we got our name out there. And here's how we got started. And here's what you should do um, to really take away that, you know, a lot of people take the training and then just kind of don't know what to do with it. So they don't really do much of anything, you know? So this is kind of another mission that I'm on is to really help all of the death doulas out there. So anyways, yeah, if you sure. have any death doulas who are listening, you know, definitely reach out. Um, I, I offer all kinds of things to try to help death doulas um, market themselves and education about, you know, how to start your own company um, and, and all kinds of things like that. So the, you will definitely, now that you've heard about me as a death doula, you will definitely hear the term more because there are just more and more and more of them out there. Yeah, I would hope so. I, I mean, there needs to be more. I, I I had an instance, I'm telling you, just yesterday, coming home and a woman called me up. She wanted to get a reading and she was telling me about her husband. And now I got, and but uh, she wanted to know about her husband who had passed away because you're gonna, this is right up your alley. She literally said, oh, my husband was so scared of dying. He was so scared. And and I said, so what did you do with that? And she said, oh, I just told him everything's going to be okay, honey. And I just leave him alone. And I was like, why would you do that? Right. Well, I didn't know what to do. I said, there are services out there for you to, to get a hold of someone who can help you. You just can't. This is a person who's about to come to their demise. And then you're going to sit there and tell them, oh, it's all going to be okay, honey, and just walk away and then leave them alone. I said, this is a person in distress. And and now. 
Yeah. And I hate to think of somebody dying in fear like that. Um, yeah. Actually, the first death that I ever witnessed as a baby nurse many years ago a was a man nurse? in a, a baby nurse. Yes. I was a brand new nurse. So this was like literally the very first death I had ever witnessed. But this man was scared and he was saying, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And I had, you know, at that point I was like still on training. So I had no idea, but it's burnt in my head and I'll never forget it because I felt so he died scared and like, I, that's horrible. And I don't want that for anybody. It's kind of part of what I do is to really, um, reduce fear and anxiety around dying because how do you, what is the best way to reduce fear and anxiety is to educate people are afraid of death because they don't know when they're scared and they think it's going to hurt. But I mean, if I can talk to you and explain all of these things and work through your fears, sometimes I can really relieve so much fear and anxiety for people and also to help walk them through their diagnosis. Um, you know, a lot of people got a diagnosis that they weren't expecting or came on quickly. And now, you know, you are a healthy person and now you've got this timeline. And so that's a whole other thing is really accepting that, you know, like you said, a lot of times people just want to hold on to hope and I won't think about that, but you really do need to accept it in order to move forward. I always like to say that uh, making peace with your death can help you live your most meaningful life. So even in a terminal diagnosis, you know, if you make peace with the fact that you have a year and how do you want to spend that year and you let me help you live out your most beautiful last year, how much better than just, I won't think about it. It'll be fine. You know what I mean? Just avoiding it or ignoring it and then spending this year in fear and anxiety. You know what I mean? So I really like to help people to get them to digest that and to understand this is sad and this is, I get it you know, we have a timeline here, but like, what do you want to do during that timeline? You know, where do you want to be? Who do you want to see? What types of things can we check off your list? You know what I mean? Um, and also the, the thing that's most important usually for people is their people right. that they're leaving. So that's a huge sense of relief that I can bring to them because we're going to plan for everything to be okay for your people. But also once you're gone, I'm still here. So your people still have me. I'm not just gone and I didn't just leave them. I'm still here for them. And I am a pillar of support. I'm not a grief counselor, but I know a million of them. So, Mm. I mean, I'm still there for people. And if they reach out to me in such a way where I feel like they're really struggling, I can absolutely connect them with grief counselors and bereavement support and whoever it is. But just that little bit of knowing, like there's somebody here who knows my people like I do, who's going to be there for them. So they're not alone and scared. Like even that alone just removes so much fear from people. Uh, Something else that I do as a death doula or all death doulas do that's really cool is we work on a legacy project with our clients. So what is a legacy project? They say that each person dies two deaths once when you physically die. And once again, when you're spoken of for the last time. So most people are leaving people behind. So what type of legacy do you want to leave behind for those people you're leaving behind? So a legacy project could be really anything, right? For you, you're a medium. That's your thing. That is so cool. So your legacy project that I would help you make for your family would somehow be tailored around that because you've really created this really cool thing with that. But I mean, I've helped people who are poets who would write these poems to their children, you know, knowing that these are poems that you will get after I'm dead. And so they're really, truly beautiful, meaningful things that their families have to hold on to after their person's gone. Um, We've done poems, I've done painting. Um, 
gardeners, you know, grandma and grandpa were gardeners. So we made a garden in the back that grandma and grandpa and I started together. And now after they're gone, the kids come and take care of it, you know, any type of thing that can really just help keep their mind off. Yeah. And to keep those memories of their people alive, the positive memories, instead of the sad thought about how they're not here anymore. You know, I like to really make it a more of a positive thing. Yeah. With, with me, people want me to talk to them after they're gone. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's your legacy project. I'm I'm telling you, it does. So many people pass away in so many different ways. You can't be there for every little, every little time someone that does pass away. I understand that as well. And people should, uh, should know that as well. But, uh, and it is hard for, for other people who say, I want to be there. I want to be there. And then just can't get there. So, and I'm yeah. sure they they go through some type of grief with that too. So do you help them with that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I try to arrange um, stuff like that beforehand. So like a lot of times, depending on how a person is declining, I usually have a good idea of when people should start traveling. <laughs> Doesn't always work out that right way. You know what I mean? But if they're not going to make it there, um, you know, I always try to arrange for them to be there somehow, even if it's just on Zoom or FaceTime so that they're still there, even though they're not there. Um, and then I do help talk people through that because that is really hard when they're, you know, really trying to make it to somebody and they don't make it to their person. Yeah, um, they want that. They want that physical feeling. Although, I mean, this whole Jetsons thing right here doing the whole Zoom thing, you know, because that's <laughs> what they're doing in the Jetsons. I mean, can really help for someone who may be in like uh you know, Greenland and their, and their person is over here in the United States and they just can't get here quick enough. Right. It's better than nothing. Right. That That's right. my thought. I mean, it's definitely, of course, it's not going to take away that, you know, you wish you could be there holding their hand, sure. but at least you were there, you know, kind of yeah. uh, virtually. <laughs> right. Because some, some things do like these lengthy periods and some of them are just, you know, something happened and now they're going. So yeah. I try to get yeah, them in as quick definitely. as I can, but. But the but absolutely education part of it is what people really need. They really need to know what's actually taking place and and what's happening happening now and what's going to happen later. And I think I think I think a lot of it is they don't want the person to go. Of course, they don't want that, but they don't want to have to deal with everything that's going to happen afterwards as well. The mounds of paperwork that they're going to have to go through, and then they got to talk to the the people at the funeral home, and then they got to get everybody together and let them know. And then you know, then they got to get somebody who's going to do possibly the headstone, or if they're going to get cremated, that type of thing. So they know it's um it's a long drawn out process. I mean, it took my my wife and I probably three or four months just to get everything together because, you know, it's just a, it's a, just a mound of paperwork trying to figure everything out. But yeah. we never, never thought to uh, get any other help. Then I mean, it was easier because my wife was a nurse and she understood. Right. But uh, but not everybody has access to that, and and that's good that you know you're bringing this out, and especially with a network of uh, of other deaf deaf duels around the uh, around the the world i guess so uh yeah that's pretty cool um before i uh, let you go is there any uh any last words that you would like to tell everybody that you think would be the most important thing and then also just mention uh, i mean we will put on the video where where you are and how people can get a hold of you but uh, anything that you think is uh, the most important thing that should be out there so that people 
I think it's just really important for people to know that death doulas are even an option. I think that um, they don't know, you know, you don't know that it's an option. And I know that as soon as people get into that stressful end of life situation, they immediately want more help and more guidance and they really struggle to find it. Um, And that's exactly what someone like myself is for. I do work locally in Cleveland, Ohio, but I also offer virtual services. Um, So my company is an end of life consulting company. So I do um, educations, I offer CEUs, I do virtual services and coaching. Um, and I also also do professional speaking services as well. So I kind of cover cover all of the roles. I am on social media all the time, posting educational content, things that I think that people really truly need to know about death and dying. But I'm oh. able to approach it in a non scary manner. Um, people always tell me I'm able to reduce their fear and anxiety just by teaching them, just by learning, because it's not so scary the way I can present this education right. to people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I anybody who's interested or wants to reach out to me in any type of way, I absolutely would love for that. I did want to tell you just because I'm, I'm sure that you would think this is interesting or it's related to you kind of a little bit. But you know, people who are dying at the end of life, um, they do something that's called visioning and they see somebody who's, you know, dead from the past, they do. you know, whether that's their spouse or their mom or their dad, or I've had people see babies, you know, people who lost like newborns or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, they they're. Do. They're holding their newborn. Um, I've had people see pets, cats, dogs, animals, horses that they've died that have died have now come back to get them. And I've even had people um, like re-experience food. So like somebody would be like, I, I like I smell my mom's homemade lasagna right now. Yeah. You know, like just out of nowhere, which I think is so cool. Um, that I these smell little- my dad's cologne all the time. Uh, Stetson, I smell my, my mom. I smell roses when she's around. That's and whenever so my cool. grandfather's around, I smell peppermints because he ate peppermints all the time. They, they I, put that they put that it. out there so that you, you know, know that they can recognize that's who it is. Yes, I love it. Well, it's just it's it's part of something that I love uh, yeah. with the end of life with people, and it's also part of the education I provide. I like to tell people before it happens, like, listen. I won't think you're crazy. I don't want you to think you're crazy, right. but here's what might happen. And usually you'll, I'll know who they're going to see before they get there because it's somebody they always talked about their dad or their grandpa or their husband or whoever, you know, somebody who is really important to them. So I'm usually able to say like, Hey, don't be surprised if you see uncle Bob soon. You know what I mean? Like, right. I know he's really close to you. He might come and get you. So that really opens the door for people to tell me that stuff, which I love hearing about, you know, they'll tell me that they see them and where they're sitting and what they look like and what they're saying. And I even had a client tell me one time, um, it was her husband who had died. Um, but she talked about him all the time and we spent so much time together, her and I. So I said to her, like, don't be surprised if you see him, he might come and get you. And she was like, actually he's here. And he keeps telling me to tell you that he's so happy to meet you. So that was like the coolest thing that had ever happened to me that, you know, somebody from the other side or whatever, like kind of communicated with me in a way through her. Um, But I really love that. It meant a lot to me. So anyways, I just thought these were, these were stories. It's be it's because when they are passing away uh, at at these moments they become as clear as they were when they were being born into this world, and the, and when that happens the, these uh, these people do come around them and tell them things and and uh, and it makes things very clear for them to know that it, they don't need to be afraid of passing away. So yeah, it yeah. absolutely comes. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, which is a good thing. Well. Uh, 
Casey, this has been pretty cool. Very education, uh, very educational for me as well, but I know for everyone else. And uh, and I want to thank you for coming on the show today and uh, and telling everybody uh, what it is you absolutely do because not, I know not everyone is understanding of this, but uh, but I, I'm pretty sure they will understand it now. And and also with with you doing the networking uh, with all the other death doulas too, you could possibly uh, recommend someone else who is in the area of uh, someone who is passing. Absolutely. That was kind of um, another part of our networking group was that we would be able to pass referrals <clears throat> amongst each other. So yeah. um, absolutely anyone who's interested, you know, you How know, many my people are in that group right now, we've got thir 13, 13 people in the group right now. Yep. And I just started last month. So I mean, 13 oh, people. Okay. <laughs> 13 uh, people in the first month that's a pretty big yeah. it's a pretty big number so did have you tried to start like a uh i mean like a facebook group with with that or, or so we do we have a facebook group um uh and we have like our special little whatsapp group and i do kind of market it to pull in some more death doulas so slowly but surely people will will continue trickling in my goal is to keep it around 25 because we want to know each other very well and any higher than that it gets you know, especially because we're virtual, we're all over the country. So, you know, we really got to be able to understand who we are without getting lost in the shuffle. Um, eventually, someday, I'm sure I'll start my own death doula school um, just because I love it. I think there needs to be more death doulas. And I think I would love to be training them. Uh, you know, I've got a bigger understanding than a lot of other death doulas because most death doulas are non-medical. So I am able to give a little bit of a a different type of education to help people really understand a little better. So yeah, that's definitely a goal in the future is that, you know, I'll have a whole herd of death doulas underneath me that I've trained. So yeah, absolutely. And and getting the word out and, and getting, getting the education out is the most important. Yeah, definitely. Because people need it. And they just, they don't know these things. We we've, we've been taught the, I don't, I don't like to say the word wrong, but we've not, we've been, not taught the correct information about our lives. Why? What's the true meaning of being here, uh, life and death? And and we've been we've been taught to be afraid of death, to be fearful of death. And, and uh, <clears throat> I know that's just not the case, because uh, all the spirit that I see all day long, they don't talk. The one the ones that cross over into the light, they don't even talk about their deaths. They they know that's a transition period, and and it should be that simple. It's that simple for them. It should be that simple for us, but the world right. wants to teach us something else. And I know, see, and that's what I've always been a rebel to go against the grain type girl. So I'm out here going against the grain, right? Like you're going to listen to me talk about death because <laughs> it really, like, I agree. Like you said, it is not a scary thing. And, and I always like to say energy never dies. It just changes. Right. So like, you know, we don't have to make it this like really sorrowful thing. I mean, absolutely. Grief is understandable and right. you know, absolutely makes sense. But like, also let's really look at the positives that can come from this as well. Yeah. Uh, it can really be a beautiful experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, uh, they are more uh, spirit is more about positivity. The ones who cross over more about positivity than they are anything else. And they just want people to, to be as happy as they can be throughout their lives and understanding, yeah, you're going to pass away, but that's just the body's just passing away. The, the, the soul continues on. So yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I love Again, it. Uh, Casey Caconio RN, but death doula. That's awesome. Yep. I appreciate you coming on the show today. And, uh, 
and being on the show. And uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening today. And as I always tell everyone at the end of my show, be good and don't do any stupid shit. But if you do, don't get caught. Have a great day. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. This was Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson with Casey Giconio and How to Live Your Most Meaningful Life by Making Peace with Your Death. For more information about Casey, visit her website at coachingwithcasey.com. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time on Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson.